Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. This is your host, as always, from Movie Lovers Unite, John DiGorio, and I just want to sit, talk about something real quick, and that is Audible. What is Audible? I'm so glad that you guys asked. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audio books, ranging from bestsellers like Anne Rice, Stephen King, the list just goes on. Their whole entire catalog, when it comes down to audiobooks, is just fantastic. If you're on on the road and everything and you want an audiobook and you want to download it fast, go ahead, go to Audible. You're not going to regret it. They actually have a trial right now that you guys can actually jump on. You can actually go on ahead, go to the link, and it'll bring you up to that trial. And a matter of fact, every month, members actually get one credit to pick any title plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection and access to Daily News Digest from the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs. Another thing too, guys, that's not all they have. They also have, they also have, finish, if you actually want to go ahead and do some things to actually better yourself for 2021, they have stuff for that too, like finishing more books or becoming a better parent, leader, or a person. How-to books, which is something that everybody seems to grab onto a lot lately and everything else. So if you guys are actually looking for something to maybe better yourself for 2021, go on ahead, check out those books as well. They have a big catalog. You guys won't regret it. Go ahead, click on the link below in the description notes. Go on ahead. You guys won't regret it. Sign up for that trial period. And always, until next time, stay safe, guys, and enjoy the show. And God bless. And hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show for today's podcast episode. I have with me independent director Jason Pitts with me again, and this time we're going to be spoiling Spiral, the Book of Saw. So first thing is for our sale, everyone, Jason. Hey, everyone. How are you guys doing tonight? So, like I said, we are going to be spoiling Saw, uh, uh, Spiral, the Book of Saw, and if you guys don't like spoilers, this is not going to be for you. So if you haven't seen Saw, go on ahead, rent it on PlayStation Network like I did, or go check it out at the movie theaters if you guys want to see this film. With further ado, we're going to go on ahead and get into this. So here's the thing. I love the introduction of Zeke, which is played by Chris Rock's character. I really like the energy that he actually brought into this new franchise. And you can actually tell that this is a new way of actually telling a Saw story, which is supposed to be like a Saw spinoff, but a Saw sequel or a reboot. It doesn't really feel like a Saw movie, but it is a Saw movie. And then also, too, you have I like how he is in, in this undercover investigation type of thing at first. And then of course, after they wind up stealing this drug dealer's money, some of the cops ended up making him out to be the undercover cop, and which also caused more problems within the precinct with him. But also, too, I want to say this, though. This movie tries to be something that it's not. This suffers from identity crisis, I believe, where it basically is trying to be like Seven, where basically Zeke is partnered up with somebody else. And he doesn't want to be partnered up with anybody else, which also reminds you of Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt. But that dynamic actually works a little bit. But you can tell beneath the surface that they want to make this more than what it is. But 
it just doesn't hit in the right places, but we'll get to that in a few minutes. But what did you think about the introduction into this new way of doing things, especially with the 4th of July uh, carnival, the trap that they had for the other cop? What did you think? Um, man, after that first 10 minutes, I was really excited because everything felt really new and fresh. And that first trap was, was brutal and, uh, and bloody and kind of hard to watch. And uh, I think it was very well done. It was exactly what you want from a Saw movie. Um, I agree with you that Zeke's introduction was was very good at the beginning. Um, you're learning about this guy, but he's pretending to be, uh, you know, this this criminal and everything, which is which is interesting because he's surrounded by crooked cops and the whole thing. So I, I think that they were trying to play with something there. Um, but um, yeah, I, I liked it. What my first my first red flag was the way the department treated him and the information that we got that they treat him badly because he ratted on another cop 11 years in the past and everything's still really tense. I just think 11 years is a really long time to have that much animosity still there. You know what I mean? It's like he would Definitely. have moved to a different yeah. precinct or something like 11 years was way too long to have that and that much animosity and hatred towards him. Definitely though. But you also have other people that weren't arrested during that 11, to 11 year span either. So you have that tension still there with, within the precinct itself. You can actually feel the tension in that whole entire precinct and everything too. Even yeah. the chief police of the police and everything is very corrupt. The whole entire department is actually very whole, corrupt. Yeah. It felt like uh, James Gordon in Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. And also, too, another thing I want to mention is this. I love the monologue with Chris Rock talking about Forrest Gump and everything else. I thought it was very entertaining. He actually brought his Chris Rock-isms to yeah. uh, the Saw movie, and it actually worked. It actually balanced itself out. Then it, if, it worked for a little bit, and then it yeah. got really annoying. <laughs> That's true. Then it becomes like training day with Denzel Washington, right? Yeah. It just He was over the top all the time. Um, and after, like, I think at the beginning when you're introducing him, it's fine. But, um, when you're getting into the story and everything, it was a little distracting, I, th I think. But. Yeah. To be honest with you, I was distracted by that. And I'll tell you why in a few minutes, but here's the thing. You know how we were talking about the corrupt cops and everything else to go along with it. That was the story. That was mm -hmm. the story that we should have yeah. saw. Not in flashbacks. It gave you this sense. Don't get me wrong. We got the tension and everything, but mm -hmm. I wanted to see it play out in full force before, since this is a new universe, I wanted to play out in full force, yeah. you know, to where we actually see the corruption. We see the attention with Chris Rock and the, and also too, with the 11 years of him being on the force and ha be him ha being a good cop, a straight edge cop. And then all of a sudden everybody's looking down on him. And then also too, I want to see the development of Samuel Jackson as his father retiring from the police force and everything too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I keep coming back to the, the time gap. I'm, I'm with you on the flashbacks. I think some of them worked, some of them didn't. Uh, I, I would have loved to have seen the same uh, concept communicated to the audience without the use of so many flashbacks. Right. Because I feel like that you can actually do a lot without having to put so much emphasis on flashback, flashback, flashback. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, time for a flashback scene. Okay, mm -hmm. Chris Rock mentioned this. Let's go on ahead and do another fl uh, flashback scene. 
let the movie stand out on its own without having the flashbacks. Yeah. You know, but find another way to communicate the story elements that are important from back then, other than, than just a flashback. Definitely. And I also have a question. Did you like the father and son dynamic between Samuel Jackson and Chris Rock? Or did you think that in the trailers that they were going to be partners? No, I knew that they were father and son from from the trailers. Uh, I think that there's a line in there where they spoil that uh, from the first trailer. Somebody refers to his father or something, and then you see Samuel Jackson. So I, I don't think that they were trying to hide that fact, but um, I think that the dynamic between the two, as far as the characters, uh, was 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 strong. You have you have a. Uh, one person who is it's his hero that he's trying to live up to and he doesn't know how corrupt his dad was. Um, and we find, we slowly learn that throughout the story and then he ultimately learns it at the end. Um, so I think that was all a really good dynamic. My problem with it is you had Chris Rock playing Chris Rock and Samuel Jackson playing Samuel Jackson and they really didn't act. That's true. I, that's something I really have to say is I didn't really feel like Chris Rock came into his own with Zeke. I felt like he was just doing himself. And even whenever he has his partner with him, I felt like his partner was the standout in this film, to be honest with you. I agree 100%. Um, because here's the thing. I feel like that he was actually doing Denzel Washington from Training Day, especially whenever he's talking about, oh, you're married, you have kids. Okay, what's your? Uh, you might as well kiss that goodbye because you're going to be up all night and you're a detective, so therefore you're not going to uh, make it or anything that, that, like that. That conversation, you're correct. That conversation is straight out of Training Day, and it's also there's also a variation of it in Seven when Morgan Freeman's talking yep. to, to Brad Pitt. Right, and then also too, even when they're in the subway, he repeats it again, but he does it in this kind of context where he said, Oh, so what are you doing about that? Oh, I'm going to therapy. Oh yeah. I heard about therapy and mm -hmm. laughs about it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, you're doing, you're doing training day <laughs> basically. So, you know, that newness and that freshness that we got in the first five, 10 minutes just starts plumbing down the exactly. rabbit hole. Yeah. And then don't get me wrong. I loved how they stumbled upon the body inside the subway. I love that aspect to it. And then he looks at the kid. He goes, do not, if you're going to puke, don't puke on the evidence. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a little good. Yeah. It was good. Thing and then, with and it. Says, I've been waiting this for what? Since I was 14. Yeah. <laughs> Which <laughs> turns out to be important. Right. Exactly. Because we're thinking, okay, so you're, so you couldn't wait to be a cop at age 14. Mm -hmm. so that's what, what I was thinking. And then once you find out, we're going to get into that in a minute with the plot twist and stuff like that too. But we don't realize until like later on, that is an important context of that information. And but that, that's also little things like that is also important to saw movies in general. Like, like in, like what we were talking about before the show when uh, Jig, uh, John Kramer uh, tells the cop in part two, you know, your son's in a safe place. He ends up being in the safe, in the safe. So little things like that are really important. And I think that they were done well in this movie. I think so too. The little small things that we missed out was misdirection, which the misdirection worked in some aspects mm -hmm. and everything too. But then by the time you get to it, you can pretty, pretty much narrow down to one person mm -hmm. and everything and know exactly what it is. Because I was actually thinking, okay, I kind of figured out the plot twist, but I'm not going to reveal that just yet either. <laughs> but, but, you know, there's just so much more that we have to talk about 
but then there's also the mystery element of where the hell is uh, Samuel Jackson at whenever he said, okay, son, what we'll do is we'll go over your case and everything and we'll look at it. Of course, you know, he's going to go missing. (laughs) (laughs) And then we wind up finding out that they're actually taking down corrupt cops, which is a new fresh take in a sense because of the fact that they're going after corrupt cops. And we see, there's that line in the movie where uh, Chris Rock says Jigsaw never ta- targeted cops. Right. But he did. I had a huge problem with mm. that. Like, um, Donnie Wahlberg's character was a cop in part two who was targeted because of uh, his crookedness. Everybody that was in the house in part two, he set up. He planted yes, evidence. It was all about him being a crooked cop. And then right. the sequels that followed, uh, his, his uh, friend from the SWAT guy... Uh, I think his name was Hobbs. Yeah. Like part four was all about teaching him not to run through doors, chase through doors. They jigsaw target targeted cops throughout the whole freaking series. So I was like, what is that about? <laughs> exactly. And then also too, there was also another thing that I want to mention as well is the fact that I didn't like how they, I like the mask for the pig and stuff like that. But the voice wasn't didn't have that creepiness to it mm-hmm. that it needed. It felt like more like a puppet show type of mm-hmm. voice than it like Kermit the Frog doing a dressing up in a uh, pig's outfit, pretty much. Yeah, I agree. I love the pig and the symbolism behind that because he is like going after cops, oh. cops, and this, you know the pig, whatever. Uh, I thought that was really a cool twist. But the voice, I mean, I was okay with it. It it wasn't the jigsaw voice that no. we all know, but. You know, it is what it well, is. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about this for a minute. I feel like when we're getting, is it just me or did did you think it might have been Zeke that might have been the one that was behind it sometimes? Because he would go up to a scene, as soon as he would actually get a piece of something that belonged to one of the victims, he would be like, okay, this is the badge number. He matched up the badge number. Oh, mm-hmm. it belongs to this detective. And then all of a sudden, he knows where that building's at. So let's go ahead along for the ride and go to that building because that's where he knows. That never occurred to me, but that would have been interesting if he was if he was the killer at the end, uh, cleaning up his crooked department. You know, he's the only one. I mean, it makes sense. There's a motive there. He's the only one who has been playing it straight for seven for eleven years, and they've been crapping on him. And then he just snaps one day and just starts taking him out. <laughs> right. And I feel like the traps were not you know how we used to get the traps and they were used to be for like the wow factor Mm -hmm. and they were there for a reason they were there to give that character a certain arc Um, Mm -hmm. let's say let's use the example of Donnie Wahlberg's character for example or uh, Amanda's character Mm -hmm. she had the she saw she wanted up having that thing over her head and of course she wanted to kill herself Jigsaw gave her a reason to live mm-hmm. and gave her a choice to live. With this one, they don't even give the person a chance to redeem themselves. They're like, well, I think, I think all the traps in this one were survivable. You just would have been mangled beyond, like, you measure. probably wouldn't even want to live afterwards if you survived it. Right. So, yeah, I, I'm, I, I see, I see your point. Um, but I do think that they were survivable. Um, they, they kind of went along that, um, basis of the old jigsaw traps were you could make it out and be okay but you know, these these ones 
you would have been jacked up. <laughs> yeah, definitely, especially the Samuel Jackson trap that we're going to get into later on. But let's just think of some of the traps, though. I mean, I wish that they would actually shown the layout of the traps, the person of it actually happening to the person, not after what happened to the person. Because normally mm-hmm. they show the body first, and then they go on ahead go through the flashback part. Yeah. of what actually went down because the cops are actually analyzing the body and having that whole entire detective thing. This mm-hmm. one didn't do that. No. Um, I, so I thought some of the traps were really cool. Uh, the first one was awesome. Uh, I think the finger one was, it was cool visually. Um, but as far as a jigsaw trap that you should be able to survive, um, I just don't think that that was very practical as far as like a jigsaw trap this person would not want to survive even they would not want to live even if they survived that um and then of course the uh the 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 trap in the basement with the uh, the hot oil pouring over her yeah you just even if you survive that you're you're not going to want to be stick around (laughs) no exactly i know that on that that level i i think it missed the traps mostly missed the mark but on like the gruesome level and 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 visually uh, getting a response from that, I think they worked. Another thing though, too, I feel like there might have been you know how they used the hot wax. There was actually another scene where they kind of used the dripping water for the electrocution part, mm-hmm. which I was like, okay, another dripping water scene, another something that's gonna be dripping. It didn't yeah. give me that wow factor. It was like, okay, this is kind of repetitive, you yeah. know? I can see that. And I felt kind of bored with the traps in this one, and I wanted to like them so much because that's what the point of a uh, Saw movie is. Yeah. Yeah, and just, like, the psychology behind the traps, I think. Uh, in this in this particular one, like, there was a reason for each one, so I think I thought that was cool. Like, there was a reason he targeted the tongue, a reason he targeted the fingers, a re- you know, there was a reason for each of them, right. um, which I thought was interesting. Even Samuel Jackson's trap, was, there was a reason for it because symbolically he's the captain of the department, right? He's the one right. that controls everything. He's the puppet master of the department. Right. And so he and turned into a Mary, like a puppet. Exactly. And I, you see, I love that trap. That trap to me yeah. was the best one out of them all. And only that, yeah. but it was also that little puppet was actually foreshadowing in every single video. Exactly. And everything. So that was like the only thing I could say that was actually had that cra- uh, Kramerness <laughs> of yeah. the of the other Saw movies. To be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, so a couple things here that I think we can talk about that I did not care for. Um, the the trap in the basement with the hot wax and the and the captain. Um, how long do you think that would have taken for him to set up? I would have to say at least a couple of hours. Couple hours, right? Right. And he's so he's down there in this basement, and nobody goes in there, and notices him setting all this. It is the evidence up. How much crap did he have to move in for you know to do that? <laughs> it's just a little. It's just a little unbelievable that he was able to spend that much time in a basement of a police precinct and never get noticed. Exactly. Don't get me wrong. Um. By the way, the killer is the rookie, and everything mm. too, but. You would think that, hey, where's your partner at? Where has where is he all this at time? At this point in the movie, he's supposedly he did. dead, he did. and everybody knows it. So if somebody saw him, 
they'd have been like, uh, you're not dead. You're supposed to be dead. <laughs> right, exactly. But another thing, though, that I really have to say is I had a feeling that he wasn't dead. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, I was like, I don't know. The way that they're... Oh, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. You just glitched for a Hello? second. Yep. Hold on. We're running into a little bit of difficulty. Okay. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. Can you hear me? Hold on one sec. Let me do this. All right. Sorry about that. Ran into some tech problem. problem. Okay. So my point is this. Whenever they were showing that scene where they were slicing the skin, the partner's skin, mm-hmm. I'm like something about this just seems way too fake for it to be true. And I don't get me wrong, I know knives are sharp, but it was like it was cutting the layers of the skin a little too well, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And then he also had that fake tattoo mm-hmm. and everything too. He goes, Oh, that was my father's. I'm like, Oh, Okay. <laughs> so now you're Leatherface. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was all weird. <laughs> and the, the the way that they chose to reveal the traps, um, like you your point earlier, how they find the body, and then as the detectives are kind of piecing together what happened, we see these flashbacks of of the trap and 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 everything. Uh, I think they did that in this particular movie uh, to set up the fact that we don't see the partner die and, and it wouldn't be a red flag, but it did not work. As soon as, as soon as, as soon as the box came with his skin in it and we never saw his trap or him die, like it immediately was like, Oh my God, it's him. He's the killer. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Because that's what I was talking about. It, It winds up becoming narrowed down to one person. Yeah. It's so obvious. In a, in a franchise that is so, you know, uh, loved for its twists, this one completely failed. Definitely. And then also, too, what did you think of him and the partner, uh, Zeke and, the, and his partner, arriving to his fr- the only person on the force that was actually his friend and visiting his wife and everything? What did you think of that? I thought that was okay. Um I thought it was pretty. I thought that was actually better than what we got. To be yeah, honest, yeah, that, that was a pretty good scene. Uh, it it's kind of a. It, I don't really think it moved the plot along very very well or, or very much. But um, other than other than like letting us know that even even his friend was corrupt. <laughs> I mean, we got a little bit of that in there, but um, right. Yeah, it was a pretty good scene. And then, of course, whenever. Uh, He's the lead detective on this case, uh, Zeke is. And, you know, the captain is like, okay, Zeke is now the lead. And he's as he's telling this, he goes, look, I want you to put hashtags. I want you to go on ahead and see what we can find out. These other guys in the precinct just don't give a shit. No, they don't care. No, they're going on ahead. One person's calling somebody, texting, going on Twitter or whatever, and not listening to him. And I'm actually glad that the police captain decided to step in and say, hey, look, take Zeke seriously. We need mm-hmm. to catch this guy. This guy's after our team. We need to find out what the motive behind it is. Yeah. 
But come to find out, the re the whole motive behind it is because I believe it's Zeke's partner that winded up killing um, ex partner winded up killing his dad. Uh, his, yeah, his new partner's dad, mm -hmm. which explains when he says, "I've been waiting thirteen years for this moment." <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah, which was really cool. The, I, I I bought everything except for. Um, uh, him orchestrating it so that he became Zeke's partner. Like that is the one thing that there is no way he could have manipulated. And, no. and, and he says a line like he says something like, uh, "Do you know how hard it, it was to get into this precinct and become your partner?" Uh, and that's like that's impossible for him to manipulate. <laughs> exactly so, because remember like he he could work into the precinct, but becoming his partner at the right time is absolutely impossible. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't swallow that. Right, like there was nobody else but him that could come in and be his partner. If but, the captain was in on it, then I could have bought it, but she wasn't. No, <laughs> clearly she wasn't. But, yeah. <laughs> but then he's like, "I don't want no partner. I don't need no partner." It reminds me of Chris Tucker now from Rush Hour. Yeah, and everything too. He goes, "I don't want no partner. I don't need no partner. Don't. I haven't had a partner." And he, she goes, I'm giving you a partner. And so it was a beat. It's the only dude that is probably supposed to be the most straight edge cop, just like he is making his way into the precinct. And that's why it's so hard for him to actually have somebody is yeah. because of the fact that Zeke doesn't want a partner. And not only that, it, it's absolutely ridiculous because mm -hmm. the first kill, the first death in the subway happens before she assigns them as partners, right? So logically, he would have to have known, like, like the, the timing here is like, when do I start this, right? When, right. when do I start, start this process and these killings and stuff like that? He would have had to have known that he was going to be assigned his, to be his partner, which is absolutely ridiculous and, and impossible. Like the, the, whole, the whole plot there just completely falls apart for me. Exactly. And then, um, by the way, his partner's name is Banks. I forgot to mention that. Right. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Banks is pretty much – he thinks that he is so smart with everything, but he's not really all that smart if you think about it when it comes down to this, especially the traps that, they, that he set that we even mentioned with the whole entire thing down in the basement and things like that. And, they're and it's also in the evidence. It's actually mm -hmm. an evidence room, evidence locker. So you mean to tell yeah. me you actually had somebody with hot wax in this thing? For three or four hours? <laughs> right. How many cops are running in there logging evidence and pulling it out and, and stuff like that? I mean, come on. <laughs> oh. Oh. Uh, thank you, Jade. I do appreciate that. Stuck between wanting to hear you talk about the movie and not wanting to be spoiled, so I just stopped to say hi. Thank you, Jade. Thank you. That means a lot to me. If you don't know Jade, go on ahead and check out her YouTube channel, Jade Plays Games, I believe. Also, too, she's also a great writer, so go on ahead and check her out. Check her writing and stuff like that, and her blog's out. But, <laughs> um, but you know, I just feel like that they, they screwed the pooch with this movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it could have been so good. They could it could have been so good. But I do have to say the redeeming quality would be the Samuel L. Jackson trap. Yeah, yeah, that was an awesome trap. And I love I love it for multiple reasons. We're we're in uh the year 20, 
21. We just finished a year of uh, 2020 was a year of a complete social unrest uh, dealing with Black Lives Matter and, and this movement. And here's a movie that ends with a black man getting shot by a bunch of white police officers. So I, I think Chris Chris Rock was trying to make a statement with this movie, uh, like a social a social statement. And uh, I really appreciated that aspect of it. Um, right. He, like a black man uh, as a puppet being shot by white police officers was absolutely. Uh, uh, you know what? Chilling. I didn't think of it. It was chilling for me. And right. uh, so I think that was all intentional. Right. I didn't think about the political aspect of that. That's a good yeah. call on your part because I didn't think about uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and stuff like that as a political statement or anything like that. So that was actually a pretty good call for, on your part to actually notice yeah. that. And it's actually powerful now that you actually note that you actually mention it. It has it, some it meaning really, behind it. It really makes me sad because the movie as a whole isn't great, but that last that last image, that last scene is awesome. So um, it could have been so much better. It really could have. It really could have. Um, then, of course, now we have Banks just trying to make a deal with uh, Chris Rock, which is mm. Zeke. He said, hey, look, I'll let your dad go if you either you choose one or two options. And he's trying to be so much like John Kramer. Mm, he's trying to recruit him. Right. He goes, how about this? We take down all the corrupt cops together. All you have to do is shoot that bullseye up there. And I'll, and your uh, father can live. It reminds me of a Duncan Booth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the way that it's actually set up. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, really? You couldn't have thought of a better, more harder <laughs> thing to do? <laughs> but, you know, I'm like, okay, it is what it is. So Zeke winds up shooting it. His father supposedly was going to live, but all this blood is actually dripping out of him because it's actually quarts of blood that's yeah. and everything that's actually dripping. From it. Yeah. yeah, which I love. That's why I like this trap because it's actually harder to get out of. You actually need somebody to actually help get him out of this trap. Also, well, too, it, wasn't, it wasn't it wasn't a trap for Samuel Jackson's character. It was he wasn't the target. It was it was uh, Chris Rock's character, right? Yeah. And another thing, though, too, I want to mention is this. There's actually another part with a corrupt cop with the glass. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That scene was phenomenal. Very well done. That would have to, to be honest with you, those two traps were the only two things that actually worked in this film. Yeah. To be and honest. The, the first trap, too, I think. Yeah. Was- so basically, we have three traps that actually worked. Yeah. If you think about it. But, oh, my God. And you can tell. And, of course, he gives him a hint. You have to take out the trash. Yeah, yeah. And the keys in the trash can. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) that's crazy. Now, I have a question. Now, whenever he picks up that saw, did you think he was going to cut his wrist to get out of that handcuffs? Or did you think that he he was going to get out of it easy because Banks wants to recruit him? I, I I think that I thought that there was a possibility he could have gone for the rest. I, I love the throwback to the first Saw movie mm-hmm. there, um, but the hairpin was just. I, I guess I guess it was there because he wanted him to get out, but I don't know. <laughs> it was just a little too con- convenient for me that you know this other thing was just sitting right there that right. he could use to pick the lock. Oh, Jade has a question. Uh, should I rewatch all the Saw movies before watching this one, or will I be okay watching this one as a standalone? 
Okay, I'll go. I'll let you go first, and then after that, I'll go. You do not have to watch all the other Saw movies to enjoy this one uh, or to watch it and understand it. It is a standalone movie. The only thing you have to know is that there was a character named John Kramer who was a jigsaw killer uh, that a character in this film is copycatting. Exactly, which has that seven kind of vibe that I mentioned earlier and everything too. So, you know, um, I know Jay's a big, huge fan of the Saw franchise and everything too. So, yeah, I couldn't say it better myself though, Jason, that you don't have to watch this one, all the other Saw movies who enjoyed this one, or if you want to check this one out for yourselves. So, yeah, I recommend you guys you can just go ahead watch this for its own uh, spinoff movie or reboot or however you want to actually categorize this one. Uh, because because Chris Rock went into the studios parading this film as a new uh, spinoff movie or a new way of telling a Saw movie versus uh, rebooting the franchise. And I absolutely commend him for that. And I'm thankful that he did it. I love the Saw movies. I think they're fantastic. I just um, I'm. I will I will watch them if they keep coming after this, and uh, I will like aspects of them. But uh, the execution in this in this one wasn't great. Oh, but definitely I'm not. Thankful that it exists. <laughs> Same here, because I have a feeling if this is going to be, even though people are not really enjoying it that much, mm-hmm. this uh, here's the thing: I want Saw to be back in theaters in October. Yeah, to have that Halloween flavor to it. Because yeah, that's like why we 10, went ten years where that was a tradition. Saw movie, it's October. Go exactly. Watch Saw movie. <laughs> and I feel like that's what it's missing is the October release date too. Yeah. Minus every you know. But I feel like if they're gonna do it with Chris Rock and the actor that plays Banks, and if they and don't get me wrong, comedians are very dark when it comes down to certain aspects of their lives and everything else, and they can actually put that into their screenwriting. Imagine mm-hmm. what the traps would be like if Chris Rock and Banks worked together, if Zeke and, and Banks worked together. It could be pretty crazy. It, it really could. Because don't forget, we still have the corrupt woman cop that's still there, which I was thinking that she was going to die in this movie Yeah, as well, and she didn't. Um, because she, they still have to clean house. They still have to yeah. do a lot more. There's still a lot more to do. And both um, both characters survive, so they're still out there. But um, let's go on ahead. So, of course, you know, we wind up saying Samuel Jackson winds up killing, uh, shooting one of the cops. The cops wind up shooting Samuel Jackson. At that point, too, there's also another thing that winds up happening before that because you can see Zeke in his mind thinking all this through if he should join him or not. And at that same time, the SWAT team is coming up. And then, of course, he winds up letting his father live. Then after that, he starts beating the hell out of Banks mm-hmm. and everything. So what do you think was going to go down during that time? Well, it was a throwback to um, to Saw 2 with the elevator, even even down to the, the cop beating the crap out of the villain. Like all of that happened in, in Saw 2 uh, when um, mm-hmm. Donnie Wahlberg's character beat the snot out of, out of John Kramer. And then he escapes in through the elevator. So uh, I thought that was a really cool throwback to, 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 to Saw 2. I really like that scene. The whole the, the whole ending scene, I, I love. From from the glass trap to the end, I thought was brilliant. It just uh, the the way we got there was was not good, and there were just way too many plot holes. Uh, 
throughout the whole story. But that last that last ten minutes was was very strong. I agree. The last ten minutes of the film is the reason why you came to see a sob film. Yeah. With the reveal, with the last trap, with uh, playing mind games with the main character, wondering yeah. if this main character is going to survive, if his father's going to actually what's going to happen to the father. This that setup works just the, fine to me. The reveal was really poor. Yeah, the reveal was poor, yeah. but everything else was good. Right. But basically, if you're going into a Saw film, if you're excited to see the reveal, you're going to be let down by it. But that's why you go and see this movie for like the last 10 minutes is for that reveal yeah, and everything. And that's what's supposed to be fun, but it just doesn't land that execution like you want it to. Terrible. Terrible execution. But and another thing another thing is uh, I wanted to know more about Manx's link to Jigsaw other than just like like there was no link really not like there was one line where he says John Kramer was right uh people have to learn to live or something like that and that was all we got like we don't know why he uh idolized jigsaw we don't know why he chose uh to take these cops out in this manner we don't know um if there's any type of link between him and John Kramer well there, we just we just do not know and we didn't get any of right. that not well, even the only Right. The only motivation that we got was the fact that a corrupt cop killed his father, and that's what made him want to be a yeah. cop and work with Zeke, because Zeke is a straight-edge cop, which also leads him working with Zeke, and now he, it's up to them to, to be like the Captain America of the Saw world and take out corrupt cops. But All of which has nothing to do with John Kramer or Jigsaw. No, <laughs> definitely do- doesn't. And, so why, why choose this manner? And go through all of this work to learning how to build all these traps and stuff. Right. Do- and that, well, another thing too, though, now that you mention it though, too. And here's another thing that I was thinking about while you were talking too, is this. Um, you say that you want to help people and let them live. You killed everybody, half the police force. Mm-hmm. So who are you helping? Yourself? <laughs> but because you know it's all about redemption, and in this story okay. there is no redemption. Exactly. And every, so basically, you don't have a redemption story, a story arc for any of the characters. Yeah. And yeah, there film. was no story arc at all. It was pretty much what you see is what you get. I mm-hmm. believe that maybe there might be some scenes that might have been cut out of the film. Probably. It's very possible. You know which. Or they're trying to save some of this meat for the sequel. Um, But I think that that was a mistake. Like, we should have got more connection uh, or motivation of why he chose this this M.O. of John Kramer's. Exactly. But as far as the rating for me, I'm going to have to give this at least a 2 out of 5, to be honest. I, I want to go fresh, but I just can't do it. Yeah. I'm going to go 2.5 because of the opening and the ending. Mm-hmm. Everything in the middle is is – you can skip it. <laughs> <laughs> I watch agree. the first 20 minutes and then fast forward it and watch the last 15. You're good. <laughs> right. Because not only that, but I also feel like in a way that this probably might be the shortest of uh, the franchise for Saw. That's just me. Mm-hmm. Because it seemed like the other films were a little longer. Yeah. And took well, a while film, to develop. The other films were shot um, kind of unconventionally in, um, in like a music video type uh, style. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and this one didn't have any of that. So the, the, the other ones felt like they went a lot faster because of that style of, of editing. Um, and this one didn't have that very much. I think there may have, may have been a little bit of it, but um, yeah. So that, that could be, it could be, that could be why it felt a lot longer than the other ones. Right. Or shorter. I mean, I'm sorry. Right. A lot shorter, but yeah. still, I wish that it would have been more to uh, more beat for me, but I agree. <laughs> but still, I'm just glad that this franchise is back. I'm hoping it's back despite the split between the audience scores and maybe the critic scores. I'm not sure what they look like on Rotten Tomatoes or anything like that. Not but yet. <laughs> I have a feeling. Probably it's on the same level as Batman versus Superman, just about. Yeah. But still, if you guys want to go in and check out uh, Spiral from the Book of Saw, go in and check it out. Um, I'm not going to tell you what you should see, what you shouldn't see, or anything like that. Make your own choice. Hey, what's up, Rossi? Thank you for checking us out tonight. I do appreciate it. <laughs> That's an independent actress, Rossi McCree. She's actually going to be with me in a couple of weeks. We're going to be reviewing So I Married an Ex-Murder. So go on ahead and take a look at that uh, when we go on ahead and do the review for that. Um, so, but yeah, go on ahead and check this film out if you think it's worth watching. I'm not going to tell you what you should watch and what you shouldn't watch. View for yourself. All film is subjective. Um, I definitely have to give this a two out of five, like I said, and then Jason gave his 2.5 because of the fact he's liked some of the uh, redeeming qualities of the film because it's outweighed the negative and everything. So that's his take. That's my take. So my question for you, Jason, is where can everybody follow you at? Facebook, uh, search Jason Pitts on Facebook. Um, you can email me at Jason underscore Stephen underscore Pitts at yahoo.com. I have a YouTube channel. Uh, you have to search Jason Pitts. Um, alone, and then you'll find my short film, and from there you can go to my channel. If you just type in Jason Pitts, uh, you'll get a whole bunch of stuff from the TV show The Game. Uh, <laughs> apparently, there was a character named Jason Pitts on that show, and so that's all over YouTube. But um, I'm oh, yeah. on Instagram. Have, oh yeah, don't you have another little project that you're doing, by the way? Yes, uh, in October, my team and I are shooting a Jason Voorhees fan film. It's called Voorhees Night of the Beast. And that is you. We really need all the help we can get uh, publicizing it and and raising raising money for it to pay the actors and the and the crew. Uh, we have a right now we have a go, uh, indie. No, it's a Kickstarter campaign. Uh, you can go to Kickstarter, type in Voorhees Night of the Beast. You'll see our page. There's multiple trailers. Uh, we have. Madman Fulton, TNA superstar, wrestling superstar, cast as Sasquatch. Um, we have an actor from Stranger Things named named James Stokes, cast as Jason Voorhees. So yeah, go to go to that Kickstarter campaign. Check that check all the stuff out there, and if you can support us, we would really appreciate it. All right, so guys, if you guys want to go on ahead, go to bonfire.com slash movie lovers unite and. You guys will actually find our T-shirt, Mafia Talks. Go on ahead and spend $18 on this shirt. It's only going to be available for two days. So you guys need to hurry it up before the campaign's actually ended. After that, we're going to be on to other, uh, other projects with Bonfire. So go on ahead, get yourself a Mafia Talks T-shirt. 
Another thing too is go on ahead, like, and subscribe to this channel as well. If you guys want to go on ahead and get an audio only podcast where you guys get your podcast from, if you want to donate to the page, how do you do that? Just go to gofundme.com forward slash movie lovers podcast. If you want to donate five, maybe $10 to our page. That's cool. If not, that's fine too. We are, we are, we totally understand. Another thing too is guys go on ahead Email me at movieloversunite at gmail.com if you're a sponsor. If you just want to be on the show, go ahead and email me over there. You guys can also follow me at Movie Lovers TV Loves Unite over there. And then, of course, follow me on Pinterest and on Instagram as well. Then, of course, follow me on Twitter at Movie Lovers Unit. And you can also go on ahead and follow me on Stereo as well at Movie Lovers Unit over there. And those are all the places that you can go ahead and follow me at. Always until next time, guys. It's been real. It's been fun. I can't wait to do this again. And it's good having you as always, Jason. I'm glad that you wanted to do this spoiler review. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Anytime you need me, I'll, I'll be here. All right. Sounds good, man. All right. Always until next time, guys. I can't wait. Bye-bye.